co-founders of Reuters, Dr Simon Collister and Nick Hawkes, gave evidence to Tynwald's Constitutional and Legal Affairs and Justice Committee last week. What is Reuters, I hear you ask? Simon Collister reveals all. Well, Reuters is um, an initiative that Nick and I um, put together about 12 months ago. And the aim was really to pull together ideas and to connect people to um, alternative policy agendas and fresh thinking in relation to the island, the Isle of Man, um, and, and where we're going um, in, in the current political times, I guess. As part of that, our first thing to do was potentially counterintuitively to look backwards at the uh, the 2000 Council of Ministers report into the implications of independence. So we produced a, a paper which seeks to evaluate that um, in, a, in a relatively objective way uh, and put forward some recommendations uh, that we believe Tim Wald should be looking at and we believe that the, the Manx government should also be looking at, which can develop our international relations. And it... And in terms of, of that report, I mean, it, it was produced obviously 23 years ago now. Um, it's a very old report. I, I think it was, uh, well, I know it was because I, I was in Council of Ministers and asked for it to be reviewed, uh, I think, around about 2010, sometime around then. Um, and uh, effectively, it, it's, well, is, is it relevant anymore to, to where we are? Well, I think that was one of the main um, reasons we, we decided to, to look back at the report. I mean, also partly because the Constitution, Legal Affairs and Justice Committee has been reviewing it as well. Um, but it's, it's, it's a report that concluded that the, the case for further independence was to maintain the status quo and not go for any further autonomy. But it also made the kind of end with the caveat that should anything change in the future, it should be reviewed. Um, which is partly why we went in to see what has changed. A lot's changed. Um, there's still uh, much that is relevant and still uh, uh, in place at the moment. But clearly, issues like Brexit, like the global uh, economy, like global geopolitics, have all changed dramatically. Devolution has happened since the original report. Well, had happened at the time of the, the original report, but has kind of evolved and grown. Um, and there's lots of other things that have happened in the intervening period. So we've really kind of taken a step back and said, like, these things have changed. How do they affect the island? Um, should we explore them in greater detail? And, and Nick, I mean, many people will say um, the constitution that we have had has, has lasted well over the thousand years or so since, since the Vikings purportedly uh, established Tynwald. So why would we need to change our constitution now? So I think I think there's a few things there. Um, there is the the often quoted line: "If it isn't broke, uh, don't we don't need to fix it." And I don't think we should be striving um, for something that just isn't broke. Uh, our constitution has an, an incred is incredibly important. It it doesn't just sort of affect how we present ourselves internationally and our relationship with the UK. It forms you know fundamental structures of government of how policy is made on the island, and it impacts people you know from everything from immigration to health to how legislation is passed through Timwald. So. It being good enough, frankly, isn't good enough. We should be open to reviewing it. We should be able to, as a, as a, as a grown-up country, have a, an open discussion about making sure that our constitution is delivering for the people of the Isle of Man. I, I suppose one uh, objective uh, way, way of assessing whether a constitution works or not is whether the, the public turn out in, in great numbers to vote, and clearly they don't uh, in the Isle of Man. I mean, it's about a 50-50 split between those who vote and those who don't. Um, are there examples of countries in other parts of the world where they are, have, have a much more engaged uh, population? 
I think I think that you've hit on a really important point, and it was a point that came up in the in the committee hearing that we've we've just been in. I think two things to bear in mind are you need the structure and the framework that enable us to do things. And and our own white paper concluded that actually within the current constitution we have a huge amount of autonomy that we're perhaps not utilising as fully as we could do or should do. So one of the issues that was discussed was lowering the voting age to sixteen, which I think it's fair to say was a very progressive idea that in theory should have generated a, a huge amount of, of benefit and greater engagement with future generations. Now it was questioned that that hasn't happened and part of the reason why it maybe hasn't happened is because beyond make, changing the legislation within our constitutional um, abilities, what was then done to foster, drive forward political engagement and that's partly to do with um, the work of you know, political engagement amongst young people but it's also around thinking about how our civic society or, or, or you know own political structures currently function um, you mentioned for example the difference between political party systems in other countries and and how it works in the island and, and whether that has maybe limited wider engagement yeah certainly I mean I think if you look at places across these isles across the Britain and Ireland there is uh, evidence that we've seen an uptick in political engagement you know particularly in Scotland following the 2014 independence referendum that activated a huge number of people from the age of 16 who are now you know active in both party politics and civil society more broadly all as a result of engagement in a fundamental constitutional question and you know that obviously has uh, had some other effects it's obviously had some impacts on society but I don't think that a an action that has fundamentally improved engagement in democracy Im- improved engagement in policy making um, should be seen as a bad thing it should be welcomed so for us uh, and through Reatus we want to start having conversations with people to engage with them around the importance of the constitution to make it less of a, an abstract kind of concept and more of a tangible thing and demonstrate how it's a tangible thing to you know help to start to build up some of that civil society not pushing at this time for a, for a particular aim um you know around sort of independence but certainly um opening people up to the conversation and opening people up to the the importance of of our constitution and the relevance of our constitutional status and is it an either or is it a either we stick with what we've got or we go for some uh, radical leap off a cliff uh, into the unknown of uh, of independence i think no that is not and it's often pitched as that and i think the the in out uh question is quite detrimental for a lot of people um, it turns a lot of people off it heightens emotions um, and it's something that the 2000 report very much uh, seemed to say would, would you know they were the two only two options that were, were presented was very much an in-out kind of binary thing um, and other alternatives weren't really considered um, the idea of, of independence and the idea of what constitutes a country has changed a lot you know since it was you know since since the idea of the nation state came up um so what we mean by practical independence what we mean by moving towards practical independence um it's not a question of a you know a different passport and a different identity and all these big sort of changes and all these unknowns you know you can have more functional independence without even changing our our political system you know i think one of the things that many people don't realize is that whilst we are a crown dependency, the amount of work that we can do and the amount of scope that we can do to do things that other fully independent countries do, you know, we're not maximising that. So it's something that really should be explored by government and it's something that members of the public should really be aware of. Is there a concern that uh, even just this sort of talk 
uh, spooks the uh, the horses a bit, and uh, UK uh, starts getting anxious, and then our, our relationship is 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 not as good as it should be with the UK. Is 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 our well? I suppose the the fundamental point to this is our relationship with the UK. Uh, as important as as it was back in in 2000 when this report was uh, first published. I mean, I think it goes without saying that the relationship with the UK is is vital, um, given that we are a crown dependency, given where we are, given how we operate. Um, I think a few things spring to mind on that question, and and again, some of these points were discussed earlier today, which is, in some respects, maintaining that relationship with the UK is potentially even benefit more beneficial for the UK post-Brexit um, than it was perhaps pre-Brexit, in that we are a successful and prosperous nation on the you know in the Irish Sea alongside the UK. But I think the key thing there is also about recognising that we are in the middle of the Irish Sea and our neighbours, Ireland, Scotland, Wales, have uh, very recently, um, certainly post-Brexit for Scotland and Wales, developed robust international relations strategies which first and foremost, look to maximise relationships with nations within what they call the Irish sea space. So Scotland and Ireland have a bilateral programme of activity. Wales and Ireland have a bilateral programme of activity. Uh, there is a, an Irish sea, Irish sea space framework, which the Welsh Government has launched, which is about fostering cultural exchange, educational exchange, trade, investment within that space. And it's about saying, you know, it's, the UK is, is very important. There are other parts of the Irish sea space that are uh, potentially as important or could grow to become more important in the future. And we need to explore and exploit all of that. Were the Isle of Man's chief minister sat in this room, uh, I imagine he would point to the fact that with a relatively limited uh, resource available in terms of staff and uh, budget, surely the focus needs to be on the bit of the surrounding islands that we have the most dealings with, which of course is, is North northwest England. And that a lot more work is, has been going on in that uh, regard over the last six months 12 months i mean there certainly seems to have been an uptick in activity i'm not i mean it's certainly being driven by the chamber of commerce um there's obviously the eden project in morecambe um i mean i mean the northwest is is certainly one of the stronger regions of of england um but scotland is extremely prosperous and again thinking strategically i think is one of the uh, the biggest sources of kind of green finance um uh, uh, industry in the world so that would surely present a wonderful opportunity and it's about ultimately coming back to what's the strategic aim so we can we can identify opportunities with the northwest of england and that's really important but we shouldn't then do that at the expense of other areas that we can step into and continue to grow and of course um for those who who aren't aware the treaty of perth uh, would indicate that perhaps if scotland decided to, to become independent, the Isle of Man would become a crown dependency of Scotland rather than of the rest of the UK. So, I mean, that is a, a really interesting point, but, you know, it's obviously a, a, an interesting hypothetical. But I think you really touch on something that's quite important there, is that we have a very strong relationship with all the nations of these islands. You know, we have a strong linguistic relationship with the Republic of Ireland and Northern Ireland. We have a, a number of Irish residents on, on Ireland. In Scotland, we, you know, we have strong links there, obviously, through language and through, as you say, the Treaty of Perth, and also through Wales, you know, through proximity, through culture. Um, 
what I would say is that, you know, no, nothing should be off the table here. We should be engaging with these other countries um, in, a, in, a, in a proactive way and in a strategic way. So we should be, and also we should be leveraging those existing relationships and those existing connections. If we look to Ireland and Wales, you know, they are leveraging uh, a relationship. If you look to Brittany and Wales, they're obviously pulling in from sort of a, a linguistic, a, a language base um, and a shared culture. So I think one of the things that, that would be really useful to see is that proactive plan of how we're engaging beyond just the Northwest, even though it is really important. It's important to remember that we're surrounded by developing and incredibly important countries. To the west, we have a major European capital, sixty miles from 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 the Isle of Man. What are we doing to engage with them? How are we engaging with this European capital that has a lot going for it? Has a number of people who, you know, if the island wants to grow the the, the population, are we engaging with with Irish citizens to get them to come to the island? You know, because they have many shared cultural traits, they'll see a lot of the Republic of Ireland and the opportunities. So, what's happening there? So, I don't think anything needs to be off the table, but I think we should be maximising our historic and cultural ties. Have you had any luck persuading uh, any of the ministers, uh, the relevant ministers, that this is a good idea? That's a great question. Um, I think it's fair to say that um, we haven't proactively engaged any ministers at present. We've certainly had some really positive responses from some politicians, from members of um, uh, political parties on the island, from other members of civil society. And what I would say is that, and uh, it certainly felt that some of the conversation today with the CLAJ committee um, went down really well. And there was there was certainly an interest in particular talking about those, f- f- building those bridges, as Nick said, um, with other countries who have already, you know, Scotland and Wales we've talked about, who are building those international relations strategies to grow that fundamentally grow their economy in a post-Brexit environment. Uh, so we talked about diaspora engagement, what Wales and Scotland are doing to find... Welsh expats, Welsh descendants, or simply people that love Wales um, around the world that they can bring in to Wales, that they can leverage to kind of connect and boost commercial and business arrangements. Um, and it would be great to see see more of that happening. And you don't think the Isle of Man government is, is engaged in any, any of this? Or, or is it just in the wrong direction? Or, or what, what are you thinking? What? I think I think that there is some engagement, and certainly if you if you read through the the Constitution, Legal Affairs and Justice Committee's evidence sessions, you will see and you will hear that you know the government does engage um, with these other uh, nations through things like the British Irish Council and various other inter- intergovernmental bodies, but. What we would say to that is that there is this, there appears to be a, a, a real proactive push for the northwest of England and for Westminster, and uh, it doesn't appear to be there for for the other countries. And I think that's that's a real it's a real missed opportunity potentially. What is really good to see, however, is as part of the island plan, the government is committed to publishing an external relations or international relations framework and strategy. Um, and this is something that places like Jersey, Guernsey, you know, Scotland have done, and it's been really important. Um, it's been really Im- influential because it's a document that sets out KPIs. It essentially is a tangible measurement um, of, of how they plan to get engaged and it gives a strategy to it rather than just relying on inter- intergovernmental bodies, which, you know, it's great that we're part of those and it's great that we're having the engagements. I think it's very important that we're proactive in this space and from the evidence that we've seen, maybe more can be done. Is this though kind of fanciful notions on your part in as much as language culture historical links are all well and good but actually what we what we are desperately short of on the Isle of Man is hard cash how how will rebuilding relationships with with our Celtic cousins help in terms of 
real hard cash type improvements in terms of the economic uh, situation. I, I think the answer to that is it's. I mean, we're not necessarily saying that the, the shared history, the shared culture, is the driver of growth. But what it does is it 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 puts us on the same page as our neighbouring countries, and it demonstrates that there's a relevance and a connection there. And from that initial connection, you can then build in a planned and proactive way other activities and connections that then convert into opportunities. So on the point of you know, talking about our Celtic cousins, for example, there is an inter-Celtic business forum that meets annually. There's another meet coming up later in the year, I believe. And it's a way, it's a, it's a business networking event, but it pulls together businesses that are in Wales, are in Cornwall, are in Brittany, Scotland and Ireland. And they may not share too much in common at a kind of commercial or enterprise level, but they're their shared aspect is that they are based in the Irish, around the Irish sea space, and all come from, all based in countries that that are Celtic. And so, is that important? It's it's a nice way to get everybody together. Is there then going to be business networking, potential trade deals done on the back of that? Almost certainly. And beyond that, if you look to, if you look to Ireland, you know they've been incredibly successful at leveraging their cultural history and their large you know large diaspora um, to turn it into actual tangible benefits. You know, if you look at the the links um, to the US, admittedly, um, between um, Ireland and the US, that is very much based on a, a shared history and a shared cultural history, and they've been the jumping off points for those discussions around uh, business and 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 tourism and engagement that scales uh like that that can be scaled whether or not it's to the northwest of england whether or not it's to england more broadly wales scotland ireland that can you know that can be scaled up and we're, we're seeing go on. well i mean from the point of the isle of man north america equally you know um whether it's already established association or australia or new zealand you know there are those again those parallels that are some of those historical parallels like for example mass emigration in the mid-19th century you know we can look at what ireland has done or wales has done in terms of engaging with uh you know welsh descendants or irish descendants in silicon valley in new york in los angeles that are part of a thriving uh you know industry or kind of commercial center and bring those back into you know the, the home country as it were so so this sort of thing has been tried before why, why do you suppose that it's it's not been continued your point about it being continued is that you know all of these things generally are long-term investments they grow and they you know provide a multiplier effect over time so you can't really you know try it for one or two years and say well that didn't really work out you know there needs to be uh you know um, a continual kind of commitment to it it needs to kind of drive towards important beneficial strategic outcomes but also and we were saying this today as well is that okay maybe we aren't doing some of these things that wales or scotland are doing but in the in the best sense of the of the of the of the the way the island can operate is that we can look to what's working well you know you know we've 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 been in contact with um you know people in the welsh government to understand what's working what's not working I mean, I would maybe turn it around and say, you know, that there are, for, for different reasons, the Welsh and Scottish administrations have challenges with the Westminster government in a way that the Isle of Man doesn't have. And if anything, we can look to build those relationships with Scotland, Wales and Ireland, as well as the UK. Um, and we can, as we say, maximise that full kind of Irish sea space environment. I mean, we, we've talked around things that government can do without any need for constitutional reform. Um are there any specific changes that are needed that would allow us to do what we're, what you've been talking about really for much of the programme? Or, or actually, is this more a, a shift in philosophy and, and, and policy? In terms of what can be achieved, 
we as a crown dependency, many people feel, aren't maximising the current opportunities of our constitutional status. Um, that being said, we don't think that we should shy away around to questions of constitutional reform. We've already picked up on a number of issues that, that people take with the way in which we do politics on the Isle of Man, in the Isle of Man, whether it be uh, engagement in consultations, whether it be engagement in elections, uh, sort of disdain for national pi- priorities or lack of engagement with national priorities and planning. Um, so I think Nothing should be off the table here in terms of what we can talking about constitutional reform. But as a first step, there is there is concrete stuff that the Alabama government can be doing that does not need to that can be done with relative ease. Talking about the constitution is a big and emotive issue, and we we get that. Um, but these first steps, I think, are tangible things that can be done in the short term as we as we look to build uh, a strategy for what we want to be as a country. I think where there's possible for looking some real constitutional challenges if not changes um are there in that facing down some of the uh some of the issues that are bubbling up at the moment or have bubbled up so for example the uk's nationality and borders bill um we've spoken about that there's the eu retained laws bill for example i mean these are things that will have an impact on on the isle of man um do we need to rewrite the entire constitution or become fully independent to deal with them no but are those individual bits of legislation from the UK going to cause uh, or have, have implications for Manx people? Yes, I imagine they will. So it's a question of, you know, at what point do you start to kind of unpick the Constitution to look at individual items? And before you, before you, you know, when you get there, you've unraveled most of it. And it wouldn't it be better to kind of step back and look at actually what's coming and say, well, what impact will this have on our current constitutional arrangements? Tinwald, in its recent guise uh, since the the, the uh, 2021 election, seems generally not bothered about uh, adopting uh, UK legislation, um, not not passing our own specific legislation to deal with things, just ad- adopting wholesale any handy little bits of, of, of UK uh, bills, acts uh, that, that may come along. You're, you've got an uphill battle here persuading Timbald of of the merits of your of your case, haven't you? Well, I mean, there's certainly we're not we're not advocating for every bit of legislation. You know, there needs to be something bespoke for it. We understand that you know we're a small country and there are huge legislative pressures that that, that exist. You know, we functionally as as a as a nation, we perform many of the same functions as, as a much larger country with a lot less resources. So there are going to be some some examples where, as you say, uh, you may have to make use of uh, the existing legislative drafting um, from from the UK. But I think one of the things that we need to do is we need to get smarter about um, about what bills we we introduce uh, and what bills we take from 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 the UK. There is uh, a really interesting thing around permissive extent, which is you know when the Manx government can ask um, the UK government to extend legislation to the Isle of Man. Well, at present that does not get uh, approved by Timwald. Um, it only gets approved by the Council of Ministers. So we have potentially legislation uh, affecting Manx residents and Manx, uh, people in the Isle of Man um, that has not been deliberated by our national parliament, um, which is a really uh, interesting thing if you start to unpack it, and actually quite a troubling thing um, that really questions some levels of democratic legitimacy. So uh, there are, and we've we've certainly seen some interest in exploring that area, um, and and starting to unpick some of those those little bits. Um, if through our discussions through Reitus, yeah, and I'd, I'd say on on a, on a more positive note, where we have spoken to politicians and and political parties, and you know, kind of made people aware of some of these 
uh, nuances, if you like. Um, there's certain there's certainly interest, and we certainly feel that 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 people want to engage and understand. And actually, and that's the first step in terms of rethinking: is it right? Is it good? Is it helpful? Is it democratic? Is it the best solution? That was Rietus's co-founders, Dr. Simon Collister and Nick Hawkes. I hope you enjoyed hearing Rietus's arguments as much as I did. They certainly are a rare thing in Manx politics, young people with a passion to change things for the better. Do we need constitutional reform, or do we just need a change in mindset? Or do you think this is just an unnecessary distraction from the core issues of the day? Don't forget this programme is available as a podcast on Manx Radio's website. For now, though, I'm Phil Gorn. Goromayos and Geisha Grom. Thanks for listening. <laughs>